Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, welcome back to yet another episode of All Things Reconsidered. I am Brandon, and joining me, as always... That's a long, dramatic effect pause, but I, I appreciate it. Is Joey. Yes, and also with us today is Brandon's dog, Gus, off camera, but I'm sure on microphone. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> he is barking he up a storm today. He needs to be heard. Yes, he demands, he demands to be a part of this podcast. That's Gus. If you hear barking, it's Gus. Yep, it's not me. <laughs> Brandon, I'm so happy to finally be back in this chair. I know, the chair feels nice. Um, we last a- week, um, you didn't see it because something happened. To the video. Yeah, no, I'm terrible at everything that I do, and <laughs> for and some reason, my, I often have camera issues. In fact, yeah. I'm not even sure if my camera's recording right now. I, I, I know I pressed record, but it, if it's not on right now, that's just... That, I, if it's not on right now, we have, I mean, I should be, <laughs> hopefully mine's going. Anyway, I'm just happy to be back. It, it feels like we've been, it's been a while since we recorded together. Yeah, I know. And, and life has been interesting. Uh, let's see, I, I was sick for the longest time. Yep. And that was fun. I caught up on Marvel yep. and watched Loki and WandaVision. That was great. Oh, I didn't know that you finished both of those. Yes. Isn't WandaVision fantastic? Incredible. And I have tons of theories about what's going to happen in Multiverse of Madness. But it's probably Joey, I'm so excited for you to be watching things as they come out weekly now. Yeah. So we can talk about them. Oh, I'm, I'm Because I'm ready. I would have loved to, for you to be in the group chat that we have. Mm-hmm. That we had about WandaVision. Yeah. Because it was fantastic. Theorizing a plenty. Well, I love it. I love it. Um, so we've been having a lot of fun. Uh, nice. By the time this episode comes out, I will be a fresh 29 years old. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. How yep. does it feel? Um, I don't know yet. Well. But if I had to guess based off of four days before turning 29... God, my body hurts so bad. <laughs> You're tired, huh? I'm tired. I feel that. I'm so sleepy. Well, the thir- your 30s are going to be better than your 20s. Well, I'm not turning 30 yet. I know, but so. you're about to. You're, yeah. you're encroaching upon them. Knocking on the door. And uh, and uh, I- I'm not, I, you know, I'm not worried about that at all because I'm, I'm going to be turning 29 this year too. Yeah. And it's like, I- I'm excited. I think I think our 30s are going to be so much better than our 20s. Oh, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> Twenty kind of sucks sometimes. Dude, yeah, it really does. I mean, like you have all this excitement to like get out and see the world. Not that you're done with college, but right. you have no money at all. Right. In fact, you're just in the hole terribly because of debt. So you have to work terrible jobs. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a typical time. There are two things that I'm like of my entire twenties thus far. I'm proud of one: getting married to my wife. Two: starting the church in Knoxville. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been 20 for nine years. I've been in my 20s for nine years now. Yeah. It's like, man, the 20s. It's exactly what you say. It's like, man, we have all these plans. We're going to take a vacation this year. Oh, there's an expense. Yeah. There goes our entire savings account. It's really hard to uh, live your dreams when you're barely making like, yeah. like 40000 a year. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. And then you have all these expectations on you of what it's supposed to be. And, and let's be honest, like I know this is beating a dead horse at this point, but like social media and watching friends' lives, it, it, comparison just ruins any fun you might have been having. Because you look at like, you know, so-and-so went on vacation and now it's like, 
suddenly dude it's the worst suddenly like you were just excited about a weekend with netflix and nothing to do yeah. but now you feel like crap because your friend is out in hawaii again right i've still never been to disney world and a, dude, a piece of my soul dies every time i every see a friend on facebook time. at disney world like, i can't help it i'm a huge fan of harry potter yep. like i cannot tell you how big of a fan i am of harry potter like today alone <laughs> i got a text message from someone and they're like hey um this moment happened in the movies and in the books, but I cannot remember for the life of me, like the context surrounding it. Do you know what it is? And off of the top of my head, I gave <laughs> the exact situation going on mm-hmm. to like, you know, lead up to that moment. Yeah. And I was like, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for having that information. Just, just there. I didn't look it up. I didn't have to look it up. Yeah. It was just there. And I've not been to the wizarding world at universal. Yeah. And it makes me sense. so Sad. That's sad. Joe, let's go to the, let's go to Universal and see Harry Potter Land, or go uh, to Disney to. this year. I would love to, but it's just kidding. I don't have the time off for that or the money. Yeah, I have no money. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're taking you know our first I'm... vacation though. Oh, like me and Michaela taking like our first like actual trip this year. That's cool. We're so excited. We're gonna go to Boston, Connecticut. If you're in Boston or Connecticut. Hit me up. We'll meet up. <laughs> well, my I, I don't have Do money a for vacation, but I did have money uh, over this last month to buy two new games. I got the new Metroid. Nice. Loving that. And then I also got Mario Party, which my three-and-a-half-year-old. She uh, loves that game. She is so into it. She loves what, playing Mario Party. And so what we do is, like, I'll play, and, and I'll actually be her character, yeah. and then I'll give her a controller that's not actually on. Oh, the classic Switch Yeah, and yeah. so then I'm playing, and she because like if I gave her the actual controller, you know, she would like roll the dice and then just like not do any of the mini games, right? And then she gets sad that she keeps losing the mini games, but it's like you just stood there, right? You know, you're right, on right. this little ball on ice, and you just yeah. like rolled off because you didn't because <laughs> <laughs> so, you did not move an inch. Yeah, so I play for her. She loves Mario Party. It's so fun. It, it, it's not replacing her love for Michael Jackson though, right? That's still number one. I need to get a Switch specifically for the new Pokemon game. I'm not impressed with it myself. Do you have it? No. Oh, wow. So your opinion doesn't Switch, matter. All of the Switch Pokemon games are just not um, interesting to me in the From what I've heard, it's like completely different. I've actually heard it's the best Pokemon game. I uh, I disagree. I, You've the, not played it, Joey. I, I, okay, listen, li, li, listen. Everybody, I need to, I need to preface <laughs> Joey's opinion with a fact, okay? <laughs> Joey has not played the game, so his opinion on the game is invalid. That's Continue. ridiculous. I have watched and I've talked to people who've played it, and I've also have you talked to our friend Shaylee? Hashtag no. I haven't Shaylo Ren on TikTok. I have who reviewed on the game and said it's the best. No, I Pokemon haven't. game that there's I, been. I, I I was not happy since you've not played the game. I was not happy with the remakes of um, Diamond and Pearl, which is this new game, or no? Isn't that no? You're talking about Arceus. Right, yeah. So, so it's not this game. No, but I wasn't. Right. But I'm just saying, none of the Switch ones. Hey, hey, Pikachu or whatever. Um, wasn't liking that. It was dumb. I didn't like uh, the remix Diamond and Pearl. I didn't re- like the uh, the other remix it did. Or uh, Sword Joey, and Shield. Did That's you it. like Pokemon Go? For a while, I loved for Pokemon a while. Go. It was I was addicted to it for a while. Speaking of Pokemon Go, they actually shut down Harry Potter Wizards Unite, and I know that doesn't sound related at all, but it was essentially the exact same thing, but with a Harry Potter skin on it. That's cool. And it was not 
not great. I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons who are awesome and incredible and we love them. Yeah. And one of them sent us our first little figurine for our table here. <laughs> and I there's love a, it so much. I got so excited when my wife sent me a picture of it in the mail. <laughs> there's a uh, tier of our patron where you send us stuff to display on our table. And we got our first one. And uh, it's it's Buddy it's Christ. Buddy Christ. And it, it fits in perfectly. So uh, join our patron if you're interested. You don't have to join at that tier if you don't want to. But the base level tier gets you into our Discord where you can have conversations. Yes. Everything about theology or just these kind of stupid conversations that we just had. Memes uh, all the time. Yeah, about, about life and, and random stuff. So join if you're interested. Now today... We're jumping into uh, a topic that's kind of broad, kind of can go in a lot of different places, but uh, I'm excited about it. We are talking about being spirit-led. This can go in a lot of different ways. It's kind of a broad topic, but the concept of being spirit-led is something that, that in lots of different ways, we've both been deconstructing and, you know, reanalyzing lately. Yeah. Um, Because being raised charismatic, that's kind of a phrase that gets used a lot. Right. And uh, especially in the Assemblies of God specifically, they, they often are talking about, you know, seeking the presence of God and making sure that we have God's presence and how his presence is the most important thing. All of this and we stuff. compare our churches to other denominations by saying, well, we're spirit-led, but they're not. Right. Or we have the, the anointing, they're dead and dry, and they don't have the anointing. Right. And we use words like that to kind of, or phrases like that to kind of differentiate ourselves from these other types of churches. And um, I've just been rethinking a lot of that lately of what it actually looks like to have your life be led by the Spirit of God. And specifically in the areas of prayer, uh, which is what you've been mostly focusing on, and worship, which is something that I've been really just wrestling with. And when I say wrestling with, I mean it. Like Like the Royal Rumble happened this past weekend, and (laughs) Joey is... In the ring. Yeah. Climbing up on the turnbuckle, doing yeah. a swanton bomb onto his thoughts on worship. He's wrestling with it so much. Yeah, it's true. I um, Worship and I have a weird relationship right now because I am a Christian who loves God. And <laughs> I like to worship him. But the way that our churches do worship, and when I say our churches, I don't mean our specifically um, necessarily. I just mean... The evangelical or, or slash charismatic slash assemblies of God that I'm used to are non-denominational. I'm just I'm I'm struggling with with that right now. Sure, and uh, you know deconstructing your beliefs is sexy. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Chandler. Deconstructing your beliefs is uh, hard work sometimes because sometimes some issues came easy. Like right. I was really excited to drop the rapture. I was really excited right. to rethink hell. But with worship, it's like, I don't know what to think about this anymore. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about this anymore. I don't know why I'm the only one in church who's like not getting into this right now. Right. Is it something wrong with me? Is it something that I need to rethink? And uh, it's been really lonely, to be honest with you, Brandon. Sure. And uh, I'm glad that I could talk to you about it, but I've been a little hesitant, to be honest, because you are a worship leader. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> I don't want to say something offensive because I don't want I don't want it to come off wrong and be like, you know. So it, it's been it's been weird. Yeah. And like some so me and a friend of mine were having a conversation the other day and um, it's interesting because, like you said, there's some things about deconstruction that's just easy yeah you know yeah. just super easy to address because it's so the nuance that we act like is there really isn't there like when you go 
an inch below the depth of a, the theological argument for eternal conscious torment, you realize that there is no depth to it yeah. past an inch. Yeah, you know? totally. But, and, and like, like even like, not even a full inch for the rapture. <laughs> right, right. But it's like something like worship that has been so ingrained in the church for literally all of the history of the church. Yeah. But like the nuances of the styles of it. Yeah. It's like, how do I deal with this? Like, yeah, because yeah. the style that I've always known doesn't feel authentic to me right now. And I don't know if it will again, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it, it is interesting because, and so this is what me and uh, me and my friend were talking about is whenever God calls us to kill things, some things are easy. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, going through this, not people, by the right. Way, when he says not people. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, you know, this, to me, this ties into the whole conversation about being spirit led. Okay. <laughs> and it was easy for me to be spirit led to deconstruct the rapture yeah. or eternal conscious torment. Yeah. But what about when God starts wanting to mess with our language mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's like, do I believe in the phrase God is moving anymore? Yeah. I mean, that's what worship leaders say all the time. I say it all the time. Yeah. Pastors say it. I mean, there's so many songs you can think of that use the, the terminology of God moving. Yeah. You know, move into this place. And, and again, it's not that I don't believe that God is working or God isn't present, but is the idea of God having to change where he is to be somewhere else something that I even believe anymore? Or do I just believe that God is everywhere at all times? Yeah. Because that is what I believe. So whenever I'm singing a lyric like, God, you know, come and move, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then you, you stop yourself, or at least I do, while I'm singing, and I'm thinking, why am I singing something that I don't really understand or believe? Because like you were saying to me earlier about God moving, you're like, the idea that he has to move would mean that he's not already. Right. And that's just not true. Right. Or it would mean that he has to change position. Right. And we don't believe that about God. You know, it's the same thing when people talk about different attributes of God, as yeah. if one can be in function while another isn't. Right now, he's merciful. Later, he's going to be judgy. Right. It's like every part of God's nature is constantly moving. Yeah. It's constantly on display. He's never holding back any any part of himself. Right. He's always 100%. So it's like he doesn't have to move. Right. And it's like, you know, I've heard the argument, well, Jesus had to move from town to town, and Jesus, <laughs> you know— I'm like, it's not what what we're talking about. (laughs) Yes, Jesus was fully God. But I think the him having to walk down the road was part of the human part. Yeah, like like that's not what we're even referring to. We're talking about this idea of like God's going to move into your life. You know, it goes into this whole cliche phrase bucket that pastors always are always pulling things out of. And it just gets under my skin. Yeah. And that's one of them. Another one is like when we talk about being led by the spirit, we're often really talking about, um, kind of towing the line of what is normal in our church environment, in our, in our church structure. Yeah. So like if you're in a charismatic church and you want to, you are someone who they think is being led by the spirit. What that usually means is that you're really involved in the worship. You're, you're raising your hands. Maybe you're speaking in tongues. Maybe you're interpreting tongues that someone else yelled out. You know, you're being really involved in like the, the, the very noticeable gifts, right? The gifts that can be on display in front of everyone, like prophesying, right? That person's spirit led. But 
if you're in a different kind of church, like a Methodist church or a Lutheran church, and you're asking, and you ask the pastor, you know, who here is spirit led, you're probably going to get entirely different things that they would even like point to. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're just, what we really mean is being spirit led is doing what is expected in our church environment. Right. Like towing the line of what's normal in this church. Right. Where, you know, we've been in churches where if you are jumping and dancing in worship, you're the odd one out. And then we've right. been in other churches where that entire paradigm switches. Yes. Where if you're standing still, you're the odd one out. And it's like, in <laughs> is being led by the spirit nothing more than just doing what the crowd in the church is doing right now? Is it nothing more than just fitting in? And I would say, no. It's not anything more. Oh, oh. So, so I say, it, <laughs> it is something more. Yeah, yeah. It is something more. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. But that's that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah, no, 100%. It's almost like just another, it's like that phrase, it's just another way of keeping people into this group model of everyone has to be cookie cutter the right. same. And and as a, as Brian Son says, eclectic Christian, I've just gotten unnerved by that. Yeah, of, sure. Of like, stop trying to make me do just what what you think is everyone's supposed to be doing right now. Right. So when a worship leader is on stage saying like everyone come in, you know, come into the presence of God and let's let's jump and let's dance. It's kind of like what if I don't want to jump? Yeah. Are you saying that I can't be in the presence of God if I'm not jumping right now? That's yes. You are not allowed. <laughs> it's just that's the kind of stuff that goes through my mind. Right. Um and I love worship. I love worship leaders. Um it's just that that's that's what I'm dealing with internally. And it, it's it's causing me to be in a kind of a funk during worship sections of Dude, the Dude, I church. wish there was funk worship. That'd be interesting. Oh, my God. That'd be interesting. Give it to me. Well, start it, Brandon. I, I mean, can't play funk music that well. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. One of the greatest failings of my life. Well, you just need the anointing, Brandon. Fair. <laughs> we'll get into that in another episode. <laughs> we'll see. I might get mad enough to bring it up now. <laughs> but um, yeah, worship it's 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 an interesting topic because again, it's a essential part of the life of the believer. Yeah. But again, for me authenticity is just becoming the primary like I am not going to do anything that is not authentic to me. Yeah, because Jesus did not do anything that was not authentic to him. True. Yeah. Like, he, he, sorry. Go ahead. Jesus had no concern in the world with looking like the established church at the time. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what got him crucified. If we're being completely honest. Yeah. Like him speaking out against the practice of the church is what got him crucified. Yeah. And so, like for me, it's if if you go to a church and the jumping and everything like that is what you do and that is authentic to you, keep running with it. You know, like, if that is what makes you feel like you are experiencing God, that's what brings you peace, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit, run with it. You know, you do you. But at the same time, if you're going to a church and, like, you enjoy the music, but you're just not that type of person, Mm -hmm. but you are still feeling that peace, love, joy, and all that, just sitting there in your seat, great. Mm-hmm. continue doing that. Yeah. Like be authentic to yourself. God, like I wish if the church needs one thing, it is a rebirth of authenticity. Yes. It is learning who we are again. We have become so enterprised mm-hmm. in the American church. Absolutely. By all this church planning stuff. Yes. Because we want a plug and play model mm-hmm. of this worked for this church, so I'm going to do that exact same thing exactly. so I can get all these people in my door so I can have all this clout because I have a, the fastest growing church in America. Yeah. And 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Because it is not authentic to you. Exactly. What we do is we take a certain model. One huge one right now is, of course, ARC. Right. And so the, the ARC model is essentially we find this one church, the one that started it, and they feel like they were spirit-led. You know, which they were, which they were. Okay. Sure. For them. So we take that model of a church of a pastor who was spirit led for their church. And we say, okay, everyone just be a carbon copy of this. Right. Everyone just do this. It's like I said earlier of, of the phrase being nothing more than a tool to bring everyone into one cookie cutter model. And in arc model it is a perfect example of this. Sure. It's like this church was spirit led. What was it? Elevation. Is that what started it? No. Uh, Church of the Highlands. That's it. Thank you. So it's like they, they may be spirit but now everyone just looks just like them. And so every church you go into that's non-denominational or, or charismatic or, or, you know, they all just feel that exact same. Right. And even if you're not following the ARC model, a lot of worship teams do that same thing sure. with their favorite worship band. They look at Elevation or at Bethel and they just emulate that. Right. And they say the same phrases from the, from the stage. The, the, of course, the same songs, but not only that, but the same... I mean, they dress the same. They act the same. It's like I'm looking at a mini version of Elevation or of Belonging Co. or of, or of you know, Bethel. And it's like, I'm fine with that if, if that's your inspiration for, like, musically. That's sure. fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong to, like... All bands copy everybody else. It's gonna happen. Right, and that's fine. But when we're talking about worship, it's something deeper than just, you know, we like the same music. Right. Or, you know, we like the sound. It's that we're communicating that this is the way to worship. This right. is what it's supposed to look like. And it's like, really, is that what you honestly felt authentically led to, to do or is that just like this is the successful model this is the cool model this is what gets you know attention like on Instagram and I'm just gonna just fall into that it's like that wasn't really you, you right know? yeah I, I, I just I just think you know one last thing to say about worship and then we should move on to other spirit led things because sure. I know you have a lot to say about prayer being yep. led by the spirit in prayer and I'm right. excited to hear about that um, and, and then I want to get into um more Holy Spirit <laughs> sort of experiences that I've had in charismatic churches and, and what that looks like. But one last thing to say about worship. Um, a lot of the times we talk about inviting the presence of God. Right. And I'm having a hard time uh, with that as well. I think I was asking myself, you know, I, I was thinking about this and writing notes and I was asking myself, what is worship actually for? Like, like what, what is it for? What's the point of this? Why do we do this? Yeah. And I came up with really like three things that I feel that I feel like I can still affirm as like this is what worship does and it's what it should be. And so one of them is that it fosters a close community sure. because everyone is united by saying the same songs, by singing together. Right. And community, as we've been talking lately, is something that you cannot separate, I feel like, from salvation. I feel like you ha like salvation is something that we experience as a community. Yeah. That, that a, 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 we are not saved separately. We are saved together. And so anything that fosters this feeling of, of family within, you know, with, with, with our church and people outside the church even, and that can bring everyone together united and not, not fighting and disagreeing, that's a good thing. Yeah. And so worship can do that. Um, also, I think it encourages and uplifts us by reminding us of re reminding us of Scripture or of God's promises. Right, yeah. So if the lyrics are something that is like reminding us that God is with us, God is here, that's just encouraging. Yeah. Not to say that like 
name it, claim it style. There's sure. power in those words. You got to declare it and it will happen. I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying it will remind you of like, yes, uh, you know, God is with me. Right. And that can be encouraging and uplifting. And then the last one I have is that it makes us aware of God's presence, which has always been there. Right. Yes. It makes us aware that he's with us. Um, and remind us to kind of keep our, our focus on the fact that he's always with us. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't invite God's presence. Right. Because his presence was already there. Right. And there's a lot of times where worship leaders, either in the lyrics or as they're starting the 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 service, they'll just say from the mic, you know, we invite the presence of God. Come and God, come in this room and, and be with us. Right. You know, and it's like, I, I thought he was already here. Right. You know, I don't think he needs to be invited. And that might not sound like it matters. That might just sound like semantics. But the, the, the difference is when you're saying, come, you know, you're inviting God, you start looking for signs that he's there, and you end up just usually looking for feelings of adrenaline and excitement, and then saying, that's proof he answered our invitation, sure. he's here now. But adrenaline is not a, a, an indication of God's presence. The indications of God's presence are the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and happiness and self-control. Right. Those are indications that God's there. Not just, you know, the music was swelling and music intrinsically creates adrenaline in you, so, you know, that's proof that God's here. No, music will create adrenaline in you because that's what music does. Right. You know, music by its nature is pretty manipulative in that way. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not saying... And that's not just worship music we're saying that about. We're saying that about literally all music. Yeah, any music will make you feel a certain way. There are songs that will invoke emotions. And when we look at those emotions as the proof that God has answered our invitation, I think we're missing it. Right. I think we need to be looking at at the, the community feeling love and joy together and peace and that that is proof that God is with us and always has been. Right. You know... We were saying earlier, and I'll say it again, um, the presence of God is not something that we need to invite. Yeah. It's something that we are invited into by God. Right. God invites us into it. And I, I just think that being led by the Spirit would look, it should look more like us just being aware that he's always with us instead of having to manufacture a feeling yeah. and then calling that feeling God. Pretty much what we're trying to say is worship is one of those nuanced things that we have to be willing to put on the altar. You know, yes, I'm going to use cliched terms. I am still a Christian. I am still <laughs> part of a church. It's going to happen, okay? We forgive you. <laughs> but I think a lot of it comes from a misunderstanding of the Bible, for one, mm -hmm. okay? Because we use verses like, you know, he inhabits the praises of his people, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Or we build a throne of our praises for him to inhabit. You know, different interpretations of a scripture like that. Mm -hmm. And we assume that whenever we praise him, he then comes and inhabits those praises. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like, yes, he is inhabiting those praises, but it's not because he wasn't there to begin with. Mm -hmm. Our praises are a reflection that we are aware that he is worthy to be praised. Exactly. Not an invitation for him to come because we have finally decided to praise him. Exactly. And so it, it, it writing-wise, as someone who has tried to write worship music and has written, you know, a song and helped co-write a couple songs. It's, Humble brag. <laughs> it's so, definitely not. I am not a songwriter in the slightest. <laughs> Sorry. And um, But it's, it's difficult because you're trying to interpret something that's such an 
Biggie was thought, mm-hmm. and it kind of does fall down to, and as much as I hate saying it, as much as I enjoy being, you know, more of a theological thinking mind, more of a, you know, just logically thinking mind, mm-hmm. it does fall into like a creative license. Yeah. Of yes, they this may not be a hundred percent theologically correct, mm-hmm. but is it getting a heart posture across correctly. And I think that's an important driver whenever, you know, looking at something like worship music of even if this isn't a hundred percent theologically correct, is it, does it line up with the heart of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Because for me, the, the Pharisees were 100% theologically correct when they said we need to stone her. Mm, Yeah. I mean, they have the Bible to back it. Or not Bible, exactly. But, yeah, know, they have the Torah to back it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, they were 100% theologically correct whenever they mm-hmm. said, we are not to work on the Sabbath. I mean, they were so theologically correct. They said that spitting on the ground was work because your spit mixed in with the dirt and created mud, and that was work. <laughs> and so it's like, but Jesus then shows up on the scenes like, I know what it says, but my heart is this. Mm-hmm. And so what matters more, being 100% theologically correct or getting across the heart of the Father? Yeah. And it is such a hard juxtaposition to be in. Yeah. And, and that's the point, is this isn't supposed to be easy. Definitely. Like, this, like you wrestling with those ideas and wrestling with those problems is the Christian faith. And the mm-hmm. idea that we can just paint it black and white and say if people were jumping around on a Sunday morning, God moved. And if they weren't, God didn't move. Mm-hmm. Is such a stripping down of the point of Christianity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a stripping down of the point of the Reformation. I mean, I may not agree with a lot of what Martin Luther stood for at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. getting more into, you know, reading about him. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that we should be allowed to read the Bible mm-hmm. is, is a pretty important thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the idea that we should be allowed to wrestle with things like this is also important. Yes. And, and, and just to round off this conversation about worship, and then I want to hear what you were going to say about prayer. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. But to, to finish this off, I think that to summarize it, when we think that being led by the Spirit equals looking just this way that I like, right. we're missing it. Yes. And what we often do in charismatic worlds is we chase the feeling of euphoria that comes from certain worship songs, of, of adrenaline, of, of, and we that buildup of music that leads and, and just the chills that come, and then we think that that feeling is God and we chase that feeling. And right. then when we look at our neighbor churches, our, neighbor, our, our brothers and sisters of different denominations, and we don't feel that same feeling from, from their worship, we say that they're dry and they're dead. Yeah. Because why? Because I don't feel and adrenaline. Man, what a freaking insult. Yes. As someone who has said it yeah, I know. myself about places that I just didn't, let's be honest. I just didn't like the vibe of the place. I didn't like their music. I didn't like the way that they expressed their worship. And then I have the audacity to say that they're dead. Like, I know. I know. God. I, I, like, I mean, that's how I was raised. You know, if we ever asked, you know, why don't we go to that church or that church? It's, oh, because that church is dead. And what that usually meant was they don't worship like we do. Right. They don't have a drummer that like we do. They worship differently. And yeah. that was usually it. Yeah. And so I think that when we tie this feeling of, of excitement in worship, like charismatics often do, as to that's proof of God, we end up just 
cutting off other people from experiencing God their authentic way, yep. and and we just be, fall into this tribalistic us versus them, which is something that that I I can't stand. And the other thing is, while I get in my head about the theology of lyrics, and I really do, sure. I have if I'm listen if I'm in worship and then a, a line comes across the screen. I, I get fixated on that line and I think, is does that make any theological sense? And then I totally get out of the song and yeah. get out of the moment because I, I can't get over analyzing the theology. I'm not saying that's a good thing. Right. It's just it's just how my brain works right, right now. I can't I can't get over it. No, I feel that and, and, and but the thing I need to remember is that if if a worship leader says something like we invite the presence of God, like I was saying earlier, or whatever else that isn't perfectly theologically sound, like they're not an apostle. They're not right. a theologian. Right. They're going to say things at times that, that that aren't perfect theology. Exactly. But like you were saying, is it communicating the heart of the Father? That's what more. It's more important. Right. Is it bringing? Is it fostering a feeling of love and joy and peace and community? That's right. what's more important. Even if the theology isn't perfect, and even though I obsess over it, maybe I need to chill out and be like, hey, we feel peace and joy and love in this room with this group of people. That's the presence of God. Yeah. Because. We elevate worship leaders to a higher status of almost thinking of them as theologians. Right. A lot of really famous worship leaders right now, people look up to as if they are the church fathers. Yeah. And and they, they follow every tweet and every book. And it's like, look, they may be a wonderful person and a very talented musician. And I'm not saying this to denigrate them. But the fact is, they're not N.T. Wright. They're not, <laughs> they're not theologians. Yeah. And so they might get things wrong. Even N.T. Wright could get things wrong. I, yeah. I haven't read uh, something you got wrong. But my point is <laughs> we, we need to maybe stop deifying worship leaders. We need to stop deifying everybody. Well, yes. Worship leaders, theologians, you know, pastors. Sure. Everybody. Sure. I agree. But but we need to stop thinking of them as as if they were, like, the leaders of Christianity today. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, like, and I think they are because music is so influential. Totally, you know, totally. Like, it, it, it's so much easier to share a great three-minute song because you get the full context of a song in three minutes. It's hard to get the full context of a sermon in three minutes or the full context of a book in three minutes. Yeah. But you can share a Maverick City song that's three and a half minutes long, you know, and that can literally go viral so much easier than like a, a hour long sermon oh, totally. or a 300 page book. So like, I understand why it happens, but just because it makes sense that it happens, doesn't mean that it's right. Yeah, I, so. I agree. And I just think we need to be careful that it doesn't play into the ego that can so easily get so easily be a part of current worship cultures. Right. Celebrity culture and worship is something that we have to fight against and because it so easily happens. Yeah. And and one of the ways is to realize that these guys who write worship songs, these women and guys who write it, they, they, they're not theologians and they may say things that aren't totally accurate. Right. And they may have ideas of what worship is that isn't totally accurate. But, and I'm taking this to myself, if we can turn that off and just enjoy the the peace and the love of a community worshiping together and get out of our heads a little bit, maybe I'll be able to relax a bit more. I do appreciate that you started that as a, if we can do this, <laughs> yeah. and then it ended with the Freudian slip of, then I will finally be able to relax. <laughs> yeah, well, like I it's true. Like I said, I, this is something I'm wrestling with. And when I say wrestling, I'm not using, like, I'm, just, I'm not just, like, taking a Bible term. Yeah. I mean, like, really, I've been fighting with in myself over this because it's kind of a, a difficult... Joey, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's funny to watch it happen because <laughs> I can see it happen in real time from the stage Yeah, where it's like you'll be like in a moment and then like something will be said and you're like 
And I can see you thinking, <laughs> and then I can proceed to watch you think for the next 25 minutes yeah. of something that has passed like, <laughs> a long like time ago. We are now songs. three songs later, and you're still like, yeah. Just like tapping my fingers, yeah. <laughs> sitting down. I do that. I do that sit where like I sit with like lean forward, so it yep. looks like I'm praying. <laughs> but so everyone thinks that I'm praying, but really I'm just like trying to hide my face because I'm just frustrated over a lyric. Yeah, uh, I'm not a healthy person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, tell us about how to be spirit led in prayer. What does that look like? Oh, I have no idea, Joey. <laughs> I have no idea, but I can tell you this: it's not. It's not what I thought it was for a long time. Ooh, do tell. So I have this thing where I like to model my life after the life of Jesus. I know it's a wild thought. It's a good thing. It's a wild thought. And I've been thinking about prayer a lot lately. Okay. And what prayer needs to look like. And this is actually crazy because I was I was reading a book on rest and the Sabbath. And it really didn't have much anything to do with prayer. But there was a statement made that made me reevaluate everything that I think about prayer. And he was talking about how whenever Jesus would steal away from the crowd, you know, he'd go up on the mountain to be alone. Right. Okay? Right. And for so long, I've heard the phrase, you know, and you, when you pray, go into your closet, you know, those who pray aloud, they have received their reward, but you know what you do in the, you know, the stuff. Oh yeah, of course. And that has been my basis for prayer for the better part of a decade of, I need to go get alone and spend four hours in a closet yeah. praying to God, yeah. not knowing to pray for four hours. Cause I don't even know how to hold a conversation with a person that is actually there verbally speaking to me the entire time for four hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let alone trying to hear the still small voice of God for four hours. Yeah. And so spent a whole lot of time just like, okay, God don't know what to pray. Um, hope I have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, peace in the middle East. <laughs> um, Help the orphans. Help the orphans. Uh, the Super Bowl's coming up. Be great to get another uh, another win for New England. Um, yeah, how you been up there? <laughs> been good. Right, right. Uh, let me throw on some Jason Upton real quick. Some soaking music. I'm gonna sleep for the next two hours. Yeah, yeah. And so that was my prayer life for a while. Yeah. And it changed when I got married. And it just, it's just evolved over like, you know, over the course of my life of, you know, just praying in the car on the way to work, whatever. And it was so, it was a, an alone thing. Mm-hmm. It was a, you go be by yourself. And I realized anytime Jesus was praying, mm-hmm. minus the times he was getting away from the crowd, he was doing it with his disciples. He was doing it with his community. He didn't pray alone. Yeah. Jesus didn't pray alone. Yeah. Like, whenever the disciples are like, Lord, what are we supposed to pray? And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He was giving them that as a communal thing. It wasn't, and you, when you pray, pray like this, my Father who art in heaven. It's our Father who art in heaven. It's not forgive me this day. It's forgive us this day. It's not give us, it's not give me my daily bread. It's give us our daily bread. Totally. The entire Lord's Prayer, which is the precipice on which the Christian prayer life should be built, Mm -hmm. 
is a communal prayer. Yeah. And we have forsaken community in our prayer life for this, you know, in the name of being spirit led. Mm -hmm. Because being spirit led means being individualistic. And my spirit is going to pray this thing because that thing in my spirit needs to come out. The Holy Spirit is not going to act contrary to Jesus. And if Jesus is all about community, the Holy Spirit is about community. Right. And so our prayer life should be about community. Whenever Jesus is in the most pivotal moment in his life, mm -hmm. going into the garden to pray, he gets his disciples and he's like, I need us to go and pray. Exactly. He did not go alone to yeah. the garden. He anytime he was when he was alone in the garden, it was only because the disciples. It was failed only because they fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> but he wanted them to be with exactly. Him. He's yeah. like, I need you to come with me. This is some of the. This is the most important moment of my life. Yep. And instead of stealing away to the top of the mountain to be alone with God. I'm going to take my group and we are going to go to the garden and go be before the father together. Yeah. Yeah. And we have lost the communal aspect of prayer in the name of being spirit led in the prayer closet alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of that stuff about the prayer closet, you know, you and I were taught the exact same way. Yeah. A lot of that is very, um, it puts a lot of pressure on us to pray that exact certain way. Right. And sometimes life changes and shifts in ways where that's just not possible anymore. Right. You know, my wife... And then comes the shame. <laughs> exactly. I wish Valerie was here to, to explain from her point of view because this is something that she was just talking to me a lot about where um, she would always pray that way of, of having alone time closed off in a room by herself yeah. and then just praying for however long she had time to do, you know, for hours. But then once we got married, and especially with kids, that's just not possible anymore. Sure. You, you, we don't have the time to just, I mean, what do we do with the kids? <laughs> well, right. You know? So, <laughs> Ronnie, watch your brother. Yeah, exactly. For a couple hours while me and dad go pray. Yeah, in, in separate rooms, of course. In separate rooms, of course. Yeah. I, it's just because that if, if what we're saying sounds weird, that's literally what we were taught. Yeah. That, that that's what prayer should be. It, because they get hung up over the fact that Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, go into your room and when you have shut the door yeah then pray to your father right and so they say well you got to go in your room you got to shut the door you got to be alone and you got to be there for hours and that's what happens when you are committed to a literalist reading of the bible yeah but we forget that like you were saying jesus always prayed with his people jesus didn't go and shut any doors anytime he prayed <laughs> yeah, right. not a single recorded time of jesus praying did he go into a room and shut a door yeah i think he was talking about focusing yourself exactly yeah not and but but what we do when we tell people that that's what prayer looks like is we then immediately uh feel shame when we can't do as that as soon as you cannot live up to that standard it's oh so you're backsliding now mm -hmm. and then you have you know your friends reaching out to you How's your prayer life been? Yep. I feel like, you know, your prayer life, you wouldn't be going through this deconstruction. It, you know, the first thing to go is your prayer life. Yep. And then comes the deconstruction <laughs> and then comes bro, the atheism because bro. you got out of your prayer closet. Bro, I have had conversations with people about, um, well, we were talking about hell. And I was trying to explain why I don't believe in eternal conscious torment. Sure. And they were very perturbed. <laughs> they sure. were very upset and worried for me. And so they said, You've read all these theologians. You've read all of this work of man. But now what you need to do is you need to put those books away. 
and get into your prayer closet and get alone before God and let him tell you what he says about hell. It'd be a real shame if he told me the exact same thing that he told all those theologians. I, I said that. I literally said that to her. I said, now what are you going to do if I do exactly what you just said in all of her dramatic, you know, way of yeah. saying it, what if I do exactly what you just said, come out of that prayer closet and say, I still feel the same way. I think yeah. hell is this way. What are you going to say? Are you going to accept that I've heard from God or are you just going to tell me to turn around and get back in there again until I sound more like you? Right. And I thought that that would, the way I worded it would make her realize like, oh yeah, that what I'm saying is ridiculous, but it didn't. Yeah. She said, oh, I don't know. Probably, probably you need to go back in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and don't get me wrong. There is a time for you to go, you know, and be in the quote unquote prayer closet. I'm not saying it has to be a literal closet. I'm talking <laughs> the metaphorical stealing away to be alone with God mm-hmm. because Jesus did that very thing. Yeah, with, in the wilderness. In the wilderness, on the mountaintop, before, yeah. you know, the 5,000 people are like, hey, there he is. Right. Tell us a sermon and give us some fish. Right. Like, right. Jesus went to the mountain to be alone. <laughs> like, there are times when you need to be alone because God does talk in, you know, that still small voice. Mm-hmm. And that is good because, but for me, those were the moments for Jesus of rest. Yeah. And it's like, if you go into your prayer closet and you cannot rest in the presence of God in that alone time, it's because we have such a bad view on prayer. Yeah. Like Jesus's times of prayer that were for, you know, quote unquote, accomplishing something Mm -hmm. or travailing or interceding or all the other words that we want to use in the Christian lexicon. Mm -hmm. He did those in community. Yeah, But when it came time to, like, pull away from everybody else and just to be alone, that was not a time for him to get a fresh word or for him to deal with all this stuff. That was a time for him to rest. Mm-hmm. It was always – the times he went to go be alone was always out of place of, I've been doing a whole lot. You know, I've been healing people. I've been – you know, we've been walking – everywhere like there's just been a lot going on and i just want to spend some time with the father right i see what you're saying so jesus modeled a a prayer life where it was either praying as a community or if it was to get alone it was to rest yeah and yet we talk about prayer as if it's something that you have to constantly be working. We don't talk right. about prayer in terms of either community or rest. No. We talk about it as alone it, it, and working our butts Warfare. Off. Warfare and yes. travailing and, and crying out for the nations. And right. I mean, we talk about it as if we are soldiers. We don't talk about it as if we're resting. Right. And, and we certainly don't talk about it as a community either because we still talk about getting alone. And yeah. That, that, is, that is incredible. That thought needs to be... Ripped into a whole episode, I think, because that that could go deep. I'm telling you, like it has completely changed my prayer life because I'm like, oh, I'm not doing what Jesus did. Yeah, and again, yes, we have Paul in the epistles talking about you know we wage war not against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. However, Paul also did not do that alone. Yeah, like Paul had the community, and he was writing to churches. Yeah. Not individuals. Whole communities. Yeah. That, those letters weren't addressed the, the to one person. The letters were going to the church. To be not, read publicly. Right. For all of them. And not a person. The epistles were not 
personally written to you. Yeah, and I don't care how many times you've watched the movie War Room and you, you, you got ex- inspired to put up posters of Jesus in your closet and, and, and stuff and then yell out for, for the nations. Right. Like, that's wonderful. And if that's meaningful to you, I'm not, that's Do great. It. Sure. If that but, is restful for you to be like, you know, <laughs> I find rest in praying for the nations. Yeah. That's that's your thing. But, but, All right. But cool. I, I think about my wife again though because she would feel that pressure to have prayer like that yeah. of of this travailing as they call it or intercession yep. and and it has to be this thing that we work up and we work hard on and and we we focus and it, it's just a lot of, you know, I remember we, when we were in Bible college, the standard for that prayer time was a lot of like yelling right. and marching and, and, and <laughs> I mean it was just so much work yeah and but when you stop and realize that maybe spirit-led prayer means restful prayer and trusting that that god is with you so you don't have to work up an emotional you know frenzy yep maybe that maybe that's spirit-led yeah you know and i'd also say like when when my wife and i can't have that kind of prayer life like we used to because of just the reality of having kids and having a full schedule Maybe being spirit-led in prayer just means finding God's presence, being aware of God's presence throughout the day instead of having to like create time for the God who lives outside of time. Yes, exactly. You know, Maybe being spirit-led means at any moment I'm just aware of, hey, I feel joy right now right. playing with my kids. That joy is the presence of God. Right. And I'm aware of it right here and there, so I don't need to be like, kids, you play on your own. I got to go get in the prayer closet. Exactly. I can just play with my kids and know that the joy I'm feeling is God's presence yeah. that I don't need to just find only in a closet. Right. You know? Right. It's like, and it comes back to that whole on earth as it is in heaven. God's presence isn't, you know, sequestered off mm-hmm. to a closet in heaven where you have to go, yeah. you know, to experience God. Like, you know, God's presence isn't just in the throat. Again, I'm very much speaking about this in those broad terms that we as evangelicals have always heard. But, you know, God's presence isn't sequestered off into the throne room, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to go there to be in God's presence. God's presence is everywhere. Exactly. And so the idea that we cannot experience God outside, you know, playing dodgeball mm-hmm. with a three-year-old, yeah, you know, as you smash him in the face with a ball <laughs> and they're giggling and you're laughing, you just feel that joy. Yeah. Like, that is God's presence. Yeah, you totally, know? totally. Or when you have friends over and you're just having a great time and you can feel the presence of God in community. Right. And so the second thing that I've been getting into lately is the Book of Common Prayers, which for me seemed almost like heresy <laughs> growing up. Yeah. I'm like, you need to tell me you just read other people's prayers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, oh, my God, I remember when I was younger and I was so zealous I was so full of zeal and so not full of knowledge. Right. And I remember hearing about more liturgical churches that, like, would read prayers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not prayer. Yeah. What do you, that's not prayer. And my God, if I had only gotten over that sooner, my prayer life would have been through the roof so much yeah. sooner. Like, so we have uh, community prayer every Wednesday night at our church. And for solid 30 minutes this past week, not straight, but like, you know, in the hour, you mm-hmm. know, within the hour, I spent about 30 minutes just in silence, just dwelling on God's goodness, just thinking about God. And then the other 30 minutes, just reading prayers from the, you know, book of common prayers. Yeah. And 
it was so life giving. Like, so here's a prayer I looked up because again, it's just it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, a prayer that is attributed to St. Francis. And it says, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there's hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there's discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning, it, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And that is such a beautiful prayer that I would never think to pray. Yeah. Because it is so outward. Yeah. It is not and and again, you read the Book of Common Prayer and you realize how much of it is so outward. Yeah. And it really made me reflect on myself of how much of my prayer life is God do this for me. Mm-hmm. God do that for me. And so even in Jesus's, the Lord's prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. Exactly. It is an outward prayer. Mm-hmm. And the forgiving of us comes from the, it, it's almost like Jesus is setting. It's like, I don't believe that God is reactionary, mm-hmm. you know, but Jesus, speaking the heart of the fathers, forgive us as we forgive others. Yeah. So in us forgiving others, we find God's forgiveness. Yeah. And, and this prayer very much highlights that mentality. Yeah, I see that. And not only is it like outward, but it's like even if you were praying alone, when you pray that, it's still a communal still communal. Because yes. you're praying for the community and not just for myself. Right. So it, it helps keep you locked into this idea that, that prayer is not just for you. Right. That, that that being led by the Spirit often doesn't lead to yourself. Yeah. If the Spirit's leading, it probably will lead to others. Right. I've not read every single prayer, obviously, because it's still new to me. Yeah. But every single one that I have read only ever uses plural verbiage or plural nounage or whatever, however you want to say that. I I get what you're saying. So it's always us, we. It's never me, I, mine. Like, it is always us, ours. It's so communal. I wish worship music would do that. There's a lot of songs that you could so easily change from me and I to they and us. Sure. And it would, I feel like foster such a community feeling so much better. Yeah. And there there is a certain level of, like, you know, Again, there is a level of stealing away to be with God. Yeah. But we cannot forsake the community in our prayer lives because I'd say a solid 75% of Jesus' prayer life was done in community. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, so, I, I totally agree. That's that's my thoughts on that. I don't know how to wrap it up, but that's that's my well, dip tea. To, to, to finish out this episode, I, I think that you know we've talked about worship and we've talked about prayer. I think the the whole church experience that I'm used to of of the charismatic world, um, a lot of times the focus on being spirit led would often lead to other things of just this showing that you know you're a prophetic person. Yeah, you're being led. I I mean, and I've I've seen instances where people would start just screaming out in tongues and running around and it's because they're being led by the spirit in this moment don't you know that and if anyone feels weird about it they're almost talked about as if they're the wrong they're like like, apostate like yeah 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 and so we call that being spirit led but 
my problem with that with that is that while I can see the case being made that sometimes being spirit led might look strange, my problem with some of that charismatic example is that in almost every t- instance that I can think back of some of the weirdest things that I've seen, if you stood there looking unsure, looking scared, looking concerned because people are screaming, you know, we're right. falling over or shaking. If you stood there looking like it was odd to you, you would sometimes be singled out or, or, or just talked about later as being someone who just didn't get it. Someone who was wrong yeah. about it. These spirit led people are often some of the meanest, these quote unquote spirit led. Yes. Are often some of the meanest My God. people. Because if you acknowledge that like this is kind of strange to you, you're talked about as being a bad Christian or someone who just, you know, doesn't understand who's not full of the Holy Spirit. And so they can be so rude and so arrogant. And can we also talk about for a minute <laughs> these spirit led folk who then go to the local restaurant mm-hmm. after church on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I've worked it. Yeah. I've been there. I've been the bus boy. I've been the waiter. And absolutely tear you up one side and down the other because you accidentally put onions on their hamburger. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Being spirit led should not also involve, like, you should not be so Being spirit led should not end when you leave the church. Yeah. And and w- when people are uncomfortable and put off by your demonstration of how led you are in the, the spirit, like that that might be an indicator that maybe you're not so spirit led. Yeah. Because being spirit led will always lead you to others. Right. And if those others in your church body are are scared, and your response is not even to just peacefully be like, well, this is just how we experience God. It's to judgmentally be like, well, you're just not getting it. You're just not filled. You know, You're right. I'm not. This is my first time coming here, and I yeah. will not be coming back. I have seen examples where, you know, I remember this one time um, I had friends with me and who were not Christians. Yeah. And there was a big, you know, Holy Spirit service, and the, this minister came by and was like laying hands on people to fall over and when he came towards my friends they like kind of backed up like i don't want to because they were freaked out right and my the minister looked at them with this face and said one day you'll get it and had this angry face and then walked off and people were like yeah like agreeing with it yeah and my friends were like called out in front of everyone for like not getting it you know what i mean and i was like that was just super mean and you just like highlighted that they're freaked out and you didn't make them comforted that's never what jesus did yeah you just had someone who didn't experience jesus called out the people who got it <laughs> yeah exactly you have someone in your service who is not comfortable by your being spirit led I question if it's really spirit-led. Joey, I'm not going to lie to you. I was the type of person, if I felt like half a pound of pressure applied to me when someone laid hands on me, I'm taking that triangle pose. I know, I and know. And I'm like, Push try, to, back. try to put me on the ground. Yeah. I dare you. That's why I try <laughs> to put me on the ground. That's why fire tunnels are so interesting. And they, like, I mean, they start rocking you, and they're like, mm. they're fighting you. I'm like, come on. I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah. Captain America line. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to come back at you now. <laughs> right, right. But that, that it's never the other way because that's the man of God. So, right. You know, he, he doesn't need anything from you, Brad. <laughs> but then I just, okay, here's here's a quick story. I was at a church one time. I won't say the, the name of anything because I don't, I don't want to do that. Right. But I was at a church one time and the pastor told this long story of have how he and some other members of the church felt spirit led to pray for their state. 
So he, you know, the, this middle-aged white guy and four other middle-aged white guys decided to get in a car and drive the border <laughs> of the entire state. Uh, so they got, they, they just would get off on they'd either interstates or get off on back roads, whatever it took right. to try as closely as possible to follow the actual border line of the entire state. That sounds like it takes so long. It did. It took them, it took them forever. It took them several days and they would stop at each of the four corners of the state and do these long prayers. And, and, and you know, this whole big thing because they were setting the bloodline around the state. They were creating a hedge of protection around the state. I guess the other states just fend for themselves. I don't know. Screw that, yeah. I guess. But our state was going to be this this perfect mystical place where God's presence was especially because I guess God's presence could be more so or less in one area or another. I don't know. I, right. I don't think it works that way, but I guess they do. And and then it all culminates with them getting to the last point. And he, he showed this off to the whole church, these pictures, where they were like out. They got out of the car. It was finally at the last corner. So they get out of the car, pulled off of the side of the highway. They start praying, doing their usual thing. And they look down and see a rock that they swear <laughs> is shaped like the head of a serpent. And they freak out and think that it's like a sign of the devil's stronghold, his stranglehold on on the state. Listen, Joey, I've done <laughs> I've done dumb things before that caused me to be awake for several days. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. I could see where sleep deprivation would get you there. Right. All the driving, all the highway paralysis, or not yeah. paralysis, the hypnosis. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah. I, listen, I drove for a living for a while. You see some stuff, and it may not, yeah. it may be there, it may not be there, but well, to you, it's there. Well, so he took a picture of this rock that was supposed to be serpent-shaped, and he put it up in front of the whole church and said, and look, it was evidence that Satan was there, and that and we had to destroy it. And I looked, I squinted, I turned my head, I really tried, and I saw no snake head, Brandon. I did not sure. see it. So then they, Now, how familiar are you with snakes, though? Because it may just not be a snake that you were familiar with. I, I feel like I can recognize a snake, but it just <laughs> looked like a rock. And so then, the five of these guys decided... Because the scales were on your eyes. Right, of course. So the five of these guys decided to grab other rocks nearby, and smash the snake rock as a prophetic symbol of the devil being defeated in this state. So just imagine, you're driving on the interstate, you see something in the distance, it looks a little funny, you're like, people standing outside, what are they doing? You get a little closer, and you, we see just it's- four guys smacking four, a rock with yeah, more rocks. Yeah, just four or five white middle-aged guys throwing rocks together. And you're like, well, oh, and they're yelling out in tongues while they do it. Oh, yeah. You're like, what? Is, my point in this whole story is that I don't know if your spirit led is that just weird and and that strange and that causing confusion. Yes, and causing that Paul would speak against. I I just feel like being spirit led would mean to be led to others. Yeah. So to bring joy and peace and to provide for their needs. That's what spirit led looks like. Yeah. Is what have you have you been led to provide for the needs of the people in your community? Or have you been led to get out of your car and throw rocks at a snake rock? At another rock. <laughs> it's just, uh, th- and that's that's why I don't like to consider myself a charismatic anymore. <laughs> it's because of stories like that. Well, I'm a work in progress. We hope that you guys got something out of this conversation that we had today. It was fun. It was a fun one. Um, if this is your first time here, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We are all things reconsidered. Um, if you've not subscribed and you're listening to this on the YouTube, click the subscribe button down below. Uh, ring the bell so you get notified every time we upload to the channel. Uh, click the like button and share this with a friend. Um, if you are listening to, uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, if you don't mind leaving a review, 
we really appreciate it. Um, Joey and I take those um, to heart. Um, yes. We like to make content that you guys are enjoying. So just you know, give us a couple stars, five, five would be nice. Please, yeah, not a couple. Please, five, <laughs> five, and and a review. But definitely the five star part. Um, <laughs> if you uh, enjoyed this conversation and you heard uh, Joey talking about our Patreon earlier um, and want to be part of that Discord that he was mentioning, you can do that at patreon.com slash all things reconsidered. And Joey, unless you got anything else, let's let these fine people have the rest of their day. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you guys once again. And uh, I guess one last thing let us know topic ideas. Yeah. We're always looking for topic ideas. So yes, we are. Those. And uh, we will see you guys. And also, happy Black History Month, everybody. Yes. Oh, kicking it off. We're going to have some great conversations for Black History Month. Uh, so look forward to that. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>